What is the goal of Christianity? Is it to imitate Christ? Theosis. That's the first question. Christianity is not just a, a list of moral instructions how to have good morals here on earth. But God, actually in his economy, want us to be united with him want us to be one with him. So uh, after we sinned and we drifted away, God sent his son in order actually to save us. And not to save us only, but to restore us, to be in complete union with him. As Saint Athanasius said, God became man or son of man in order to make us uh, sons of God. Uh, so to imitate Christ, it is more than to imitate Christ, it's actually to be one. That's why Christ came as a bridegroom and were his bride, and the two shall become one. And in this oneness, we are children of God the Father. So we can say we are children of God the Father through our union with the Lord Jesus Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit in the sacraments of the church. This statement is very important to understand what's the relationship with the Holy Trinity and what's the relationship with the church. So we become, or now we are children of God the Father. How? It is through our union with the Son. If we are one with the Son, Jesus Christ, then we are children of God the Father. But who makes this union? The, the Holy Spirit. How? In the sacraments of the Church. You were baptized, you put on Christ. Communion, when you eat my body and drink my blood, you abide in me, and I abide in you. About the word theosis that you mentioned, uh, let us understand the, the, the meaning of it, because some people have conflict about uh, the word theosis. The word theosis doesn't mean at all that our essence will be like God, that will be divine in our essence. This is wrong understanding of the word. But it means we'll become one with God. But how this oneness would be, actually, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. And even St. John said, we don't know how we would be, but we know that we'll be like him. So he said, we know that we'll be like him. We know that we'll be one with him. But what does this mean? We don't know. It's not revealed to us yet. Second question. If I go to confession regularly, once every month, does that mean I am a repentant? No, it doesn't mean this. Actually, there are at least six steps you need to do before you go to confession. And if you go to Abuna and just mention the list of your sins, that does not mean you are repentant. 
Anyone can do this. Repentance number one, what are the six steps that you need to go through before confession? Number one, actually, to be responsible for your sin. That's what the word confession means. To take responsibility. Yes, I committed these sins and I have no excuse. That's number one. Number two, to develop godly sorrow. Some people actually they brag with their sins. So uh, you need to develop godly sorrow as we read in Second Corinthians chapter seven. Godly sorrow leads to repentance, not to be regretted. Number three, to determine that you will do whatever it takes not to fall in sin again. To determine to do whatever it takes. Uh, that you will not to fight the good fight that you will not do this sin again number four to correct the outcomes of your sin like Zacchaeus when he repented he actually said half of my goods I will give to the poor and if I was unfair to anyone I will restore four folds number five to have confidence in God's forgiveness and God's acceptance Judas tried to correct, Judas regretted what he did, Judas confessed what he did, but he did not have hope, he did not have confidence in God's uh, God's forgiveness and God's acceptance. And then number six, you know, you confess your sins before God in, in prayer, then you go to the steward of God, Abuna, to confess your sins, and then you take communion. So these are for your repentance to be complete you need to take responsibility of your sin develop godly sorrow uh, determine and decide not to return to the sin fighting the good fight correct the consequences of your sins have confidence in God's forgiveness and acceptance confess your sins in prayer before God then you go to Abuna and confess your sins and take communion have to manage dealing with someone who is very difficult, stubborn, dramatic, and always thinks they are right. They are related by marriage. So creating distance is not an option. I will tell you two uh, important principles, but actually uh, I have a whole sermon called the Dealing with Difficult People. You can find it on SoundCloud, so if you go to SoundCloud and, and you write Dealing with Difficult People, Bishop Yusuf, you will find the sermon, you can listen to the whole sermon. But I will tell you two principles. You cannot deal with these people without the grace of God. So you need to pray and asking the grace of God to help you. Believe me, sometimes when we say to people pray, they tell us we need a practical solution. But prayer is a very, very practical solution. The power you get it from prayer, 
No way you can get it otherwise. The second principle, do not enable them. Do not enable them. What do you mean by do not enable? In order to understand the uh, meaning of not enabling, not enabling means don't encourage the wrong way. For example, let me give you an example from the, the parable of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son went to a far country and he was very hungry and actually he tried to eat from the pulse of the swine but no one gave him. If the father at this moment sent him some food and sent him some money, do you think the prodigal son would return? No, he would not have returned. But he let him suffer the consequences of his wrong choice. So sometimes we enable the people in their wrong behavior. If the other person gets very angry and violent, then in order just to avoid his anger, we do for him what he wants. That's enabling. But if he learned that his anger would not give him what he wants, then he will consider in order to quit anger. Definitely it is not that easy. It will not be just one time uh, you, you don't do what he wants if he gets angry and then he will repent. Definitely not. But sometimes he tried to escalate more and more and more. But you need to be patient and strong. That's why he said, number one, you need to pray. But keep this principle in your mind. Don't enable. While you are doing this, you need support system. Support system from God, from the intercession of saints, and from godly people around you. That's what we call setting boundary with the difficult people. Sometimes a very difficult per- person, as you describe, stubborn, dramatic, always thinks that he is right. This can be a sign of personality disorder. It can be narcissistic personality disorder, can be uh, borderline personality disorder. So we need also to exclude a personality disorder, because if it's personality disorder, uh, he needs to get some psychiatric help, counseling, maybe some medication, and also maybe uh, you learn how to deal with them. There is There are guidelines, for example, if you are married to bipolar, how to deal with bipolar. If you are married to borderline, how to deal with borderline. If you are married to narcissistic, how to deal with them. So there are guidelines based on the different personality uh, disorder. Uh, but these two principles, prayer, and don't enable, besides uh, having a strong support system in your life, this actually will help you to manage how to deal with difficult people. Uh, the, the concept of setting boundaries is very important. How to be assertive with these people, not to be aggressive. There is difference between aggressiveness and assertiveness. So how to be assertive, not to be aggressive.
Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.